Dithda Hadina Pabuni, the Bocasto Mescla Brion Druth, Ostias Genev Sove Berryman. Hello and welcome everyone to the Mescla Brion Druth podcasts, hosted by me, Sove Berryman. Mescla Brion Druth is a multi platform project using sculpture making and conversation to explore contemporary Cornish cultural identity. Through workshops, podcasts, a symposium and an exhibition, the project invites people to share their experiences of identity and Cornwall and their views on Cornish culture and its relationship to land, language, heritage, tourism, the Cornish diaspora and much, much more. These podcasts record conversations with guests whose research or lived experience touches on the project themes. The views, thoughts and opinions expressed are the speaker's own. All conversations are carried out with a spirit of generosity and openness, creating space for the discussions to twist and turn. And I'm very grateful to all who have taken part. In this fifth podcast, I'm joined by Ellie Allen, caller for Kaylee Band, Splan, Becky Bordeaux, actress, performer and production assistant with Rogue Otherworld, and Luke Passy, otherwise known as Passman, one half of Headlove and Passman. We talk about Red Reef, living, working and growing up in Curnow, nightlife, housing and the cost of living. Hello, thank you all for being here. Um, So I've invited you to be part of this conversation, which is sort of talking about contemporary Cornish cultural identity and locating that sort of feeling around what it is. Um, And I've invited you guys to be part of it because you're all creative practitioners. You're all Cornish in Cornwall. Um, I mean, you might contradict me about some of that as we talk. But um, um, yeah, I'm... I think your input is really valuable to this debate. And um, Cornish culture seems to feature in some of what you do. So um, firstly, Ellie, I wanted to ask you a bit about your work because it's totally um, Celtic in your dancing and your Kaylee calling. And I'm interested in the importance of that to you as a Cornish identifying person? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really important to me. I have to, I have to be honest with the Kaylee calling. Um, it is more Celtic than than Cornish dance. We don't always do primarily Cornish dance, but I think it's a, a shared heritage of Celticness. We We share similar languages with other Celtic nations, so we would do quite a lot of Scottish dances and things like that, but... Um, with Chemisk, we we do Cornish dances, um, 100% Cornish dances. That's all we do, and it, and it's really important for us. We've been to festivals, both I've been with both Splan and with Chemisk to festivals in England, Wales, uh, Ireland, the Isle of Man, Brittany, um, and I just think sharing our culture, which is perhaps not as um, prevalent as like Scots or Irish, everybody kind of gets that. So I think it's really important for us to make sure that. Cornish is up there with the other Celtic nations. Becky, what are your what do you think about that? Um, 
yeah, I probably isn't as prevalent as other, um, other Celtic nations, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I suppose, well, I suppose reflecting what we do with Rogue is we, we, the, what our Cornishness is comes through where we perform and the stories we write, because Ollie, who um, runs Rogue, uh, Rogue Theatre, Rogue Otherworld, with my sister Angelina, um, they, we write Cornish stories in Cornwall for mainly a Cornish audience. But I was thinking when you were talking about it, like how, because we have a lot of holidaymakers come and one of the things in one of this, we talk about second homeowners quite a lot in one of our stories. And you can see the people, it dawning on people as you see it, rippling through about actually what the bought in Cornish culture that people see and actually the real Cornish culture. So you have people from, because we have an eclectic mix of people come to our shows. So you have people who have come with, into their second homes watching it going, oh, hang on, then there's a woman on the front row nodding her head off, going, yeah, that's exactly how we feel. So it's actually, it's the mishmash of culture, of non-Cornish and Cornish culture, which we get at our shows, and also the different classes of Cornish, because there is definitely different classes of Cornish in Cornwall. You've got the, the posh Cornish who are here and bought their, sort of, bought the identity of Cornwall, and then there's the people who actually live here, who work here and struggle to buy homes here and yeah I'm interested in the fact that you bring those politics into our work, it's, work. What, it's subtle the politics in our work because obviously we don't want to make it blatant because as soon as you blatant as soon as you do blatant politics in work it's it's um you isolate people don't you so but it's done in humor so like the story it's about it's the mermaids says these two fishermen catch mermaids and they put them into the hut down at Portrees and they're charging people a quid to go to go see them but in that Ollie is talking about a second home and saying this is how we have to make our living because there is no Cornish traditional jobs anymore. But then at the end, we've got our guy, Paul, who's a man with a big ginger beard and a tail singing Sweet Fishy Lips. So it's, 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 dealing, it's <laughs> dealing with those different... It's, yeah, dealing with it with humour, I guess, and Cornish identity. But also this year we're doing King Arthur, which is like that's a myth which is completely embedded in Cornwall. But we try and bringing current politics within that and current, and how currently Cornish people feel living in Cornwall, which is sometimes hard, isn't it? It's not yeah. easy living in Cornwall being Cornish. But. And how about you, Luke? I see that you bring Cornish culture or the experience of living in Cornwall yeah. into your work. Yeah, certainly it is inherently um, about that. It's um, entirely tied up in, in its... Um, geography kind of like uh, a lot of rap music is sort of about um sort of own ownership of where where you're from and sort of trying to communicate that um lived experience and um, ellie with your work if it's so you talk about like that traditional cornish culture mm -hmm. and yep. making it present where does the contemporary come through with it? Um, so I think we are always trying to invent new dances, do different things, even if it's not like 100% contemporary. We did do, with Chemist, Chemist for example, um, at Luenda Perrin, which is a, a, a local Celtic music and dance festival, um, Chemist did do a dance to um, Hey Ya, um, 
and we did a traditional dance to Hey Ya, and we did one to Lord, and we kind of like mashing up music and dance. So the dance steps were the traditional ones, but the dance was newly choreographed to Outcasts Hey Ya. So it was really fun, like it was really fun and, oh, and nice. really, really cool. And there are things like we have done as well at Luanda Perrin with Splan. We've done like um, covers, Kaylee Band. So you would do Cornish Express, which is a, a fun Cornish dance to Dolly Parton, nine to five, <laughs> and someone singing Dolly Parton. Um, so you get you get kind of modern and you get you get traditional as well. Other things we've done is like a silent Kaylee. So on one ear you can hear the trad, and if you ch- click to the other channel you can hear modern music. So I've been to like Sidmouth, which is obviously in Devon, but and you can be dancing to Nirvana. You can be doing like a Circassian circle to a Nirvana track or something, and it's just trying to kind of make it maybe <clears throat> a bit more easily accessible without someone feeling silly. I think a lot of the Kayleys we do with Splan are weddings, um, and people are generally drunk, and there's kind of a com- camaraderie of being there with people you know. You're at a wedding, you know everyone. We do do open events as well with Splan, but generally. I think there's a fear of it. I, people have a thing against Morris dancing, don't they? They think it's like Morris dance. Oh, skipping around. I'm a grown man skipping around, and there's, there's kind of a fear about that for people to do it. They don't necessarily embrace it, but you know, once they start doing it, they're going to love it. So if you can, if you can give them a bit more of kind of something they're used to, whether that's traditional, uh, more modern pop music or moves that are more modern, then then people are more likely to engage with it, and that's that's what we want really: people to engage with it in a way that they're comfortable with as well as sharing our culture with them and that's where like I suppose all of you with what you do mixes up that stuff doesn't it yeah because like well when I've gone to see Head Love and Pass Man like you're fun like I laugh a lot all the way through mm. but I feel like there's some serious stuff there as well like when you're putting your show together do you do you two think about we're Cornish and maybe you two don't identify as Cornish? What like do you think about that and putting it into the show? Um, well, I, I certainly feel like Cornish, like a hundred percent. Like I'm sort of a product of where I'm from, certainly. <laughs> And um, yeah, I can't get away from that. Um, it was, there was always sort of heads, kind of I don't know, like agenda <laughs> to push push the corn Cornish thing. I was sort of, I'd say at the outset, kind of hesitant about that, uh, uh, how it would be perceived. Um, like well, no, just to be playing corn because it's kind of like I don't know. A lot of people mine, <laughs> especially when what we do is kind of comedic. It's not overtly comedy, but a lot of people mine their Cornishness for like sort of cheap kind of, you know, humor. That's how I feel, and it's kind of often sort of um, kind of derogatory. Like they're sort of like yeah, self-deprecating. So I was very like aware of not to kind of like, yeah, be be that because I saw that I see that elsewhere, and I don't find it kind of. I find it kind of distasteful, really. so, um, but I think Head's done it in such a way. He's such a good um, a writer, and like, uh, obviously, we've collaborated on a couple of songs that are very like overtly like Cornish, whether they use sort of like Cornish dialect or that you know, like all our songs are about life in Cornwall, and they're all kind of like 
like in the way that rap's written, it, it's not using sort of allegory or like metaphor or anything. It's just like sort of describing exactly, you know, how something is in sort of plain sort of like language. And um, yeah, I was sort of hesitant, especially like using the whole like directly thing. Cause that's something I sort of only really experienced through like, kind of like bumper stickers, you know, and like, like Cornishman do it directly sort of thing. But then like he sort of like used it in such a way and it is kind of like so inherent, particularly to like me and head and like a kind of like a, a lifestyle sort of like you know a pace of pace of life that is inherently sort of like Cornish but yeah but then he took he took that and he like sort of made this great song out of it that does sort of um I feel communicates a lot about what it is to be Cornish or what we feel like it is being Cornish um to people and um and also with Made in Cornwall it's like it's called Made in Cornwall but then like it's about the lyrics are about yeah, we've got it's like we've got it made in Cornwall. It's not ce celebrating the fact that you're like born in Cornwall or whatever. It's celebrating the fact that like wherever you're from, if you're living in Cornwall, you know there's a lot to celebrate about it. It's like you know it's like yeah. Um, so it's wholly celebratory. I feel our, our you know our, our practices. It feels celebratory when we when I watch you. Yeah. Like it feels, so too, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, surprise, yeah. Right? You like, you like, yeah. It's yeah. sort of, it's brilliant and it's fun and like you both are great like showman, showman in what you do. But it's like it's a joy to watch. You don't go away from a headlock and pass man gig going, wow, that was heavy. You're like, yeah. Like it's it's fun to watch. Which but, is... Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, yeah. Um, and I also hope it doesn't feel like cheap. I mean. I know there's some people that might enjoy it for maybe like the wrong reasons or we've been asked to do commissions in the past um, for like random <laughs> things. Like, I don't know, there's like a, um, a uh, what is it, like a, a Sainsbury's in, in Butte or something? There's a tunnel. And there's a, a, like a tunnel, to, so like you can walk to the, to the car park and not get rained on or whatever. There's like a transparent tunnel. And um, some, <laughs> some people that had a... Um, I guess I can talk about this. I mean, we didn't do it. Some people that ha had a, um, you know, a com commercial agency, what do you call it, a advertising agency, like uh, Sainsbury's or whatever, got in touch with them. And they were like, because it had become like a sort of online phenomenon. There was like a trip advisor and people were filling it out sort of jokingly saying like, oh, great, like, t you know, yeah, tunnel like yeah. thing, car park tunnel or whatever. And there was loads of entries and it was like a news thing. So they're like, oh, we need to capitalize on this organic sort of interest. So they got in touch with a um, commercial agency who were like, oh, can we can we do anything about this? Can we like have an event? Can we like find some some people that can do like a song about this like tunnel? And um, some guys like got in touch with us and we had like a phone sort of like um, conference thing where we're all like on the line and like me and Head aren't together, but we're like on the phone. And there's these two guys and one of the guys was basically, he seemed like a, um, like a sort of avatar, like an AI, like he had no like personality whatsoever. But then the other guy was a guy that was sort of familiar with what we did, but he was like, yeah, you guys would be perfect for this. And I was like, um, so what, what is it about? Because it's like, we write about a personal experience. And it's like, the only experience I had of this thing was like seeing an article about it online. So I was like, like how, in what way is it perfect for us? And he's like, oh, you know, you just do what you do. You just, just take the piss. And it's like, oh, that isn't, like, that isn't what we do. I was like having major reservations because it's like, this guy's totally sort of like misinterpreted what it is that we do. Mm. Uh, you know, he's engaged with it, he's seen it, and he's like, it's like, what are we taking, I mean, what are we taking the piss out of? Not taking the, mm. Unless it's like in our sort of like approach to like music making where it's like, you know, kind of like 
haphazard and stuff. But I don't know. I thought like, you know, it's in the lyrical content, it's not like we're... Yeah. So it's that's in, why we didn't end up doing it. It's interesting, though, that it feels like that's all caught up there with um, intangible cultural heritage and histories. And um, that certainly you guys cover in um, in the, your Head, Love and Past Man act and songs. Really hard to interpret sort mm. of things. And maybe actually... We've made them tangible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> exactly. They thought it can be done, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and maybe with that m- m- mashup that you're doing with Chemisk as well, mm-hmm. Ellie, of like some trad dance moves mm-hmm. mixed up with more contemporary music, like pop music or whatever. Yeah. So there's a t- perhaps there's a tension around that with like uh, conversations around gentrification as well and how we hold on to culture yeah i mean i think there's an idea of what cornwall is and there's there's and it and there is an idea that cornwall's like 30 years behind everywhere else i want to go there it's quiet people are different we have our same british values we've always had then you know things haven't changed in cornwall it's wrong and unfortunately it does attract some of the wrong people to to move here that we probably they don't share our values or they obviously they share some people's values but mm. what they believe are the values of Cornwall which is a bit maybe stuck in the 1980s mm-hmm. is not really actually Cornwall is a very progressive place of people you know some of the theatre stuff like the stuff Luke does there's a lot of stuff going on that's like really progressive mm-hmm. um, but it, maybe it's not seen because it's not on the you know, Monopoly board of Cornwall. This is what I'm going to. I'm going to go to St Ives and have an ice cream and probably get attacked by a seagull. I'm going to do this. You know, and that those things don't cover a lot of the stuff we've got going on. It's very on the surface, and it and it does give people the the wrong impression of of who we are and attract the wrong people. I think sometimes. I've certainly come across. I mean, what you say there really. T- keys into some experiences I have where I've met other tradespeople who've moved to Cornwall and very explicitly have said I've moved here because this is what England used to be like mm. and um, and they essentially moved here because they perceive it as whiter mm-hmm. they perceive it as something that's yeah put on like a heritage tv show you know, yeah. and um, and I think that's reinforced by some of the what I call like nostalgia tourism advertising. Yeah. yeah. Also, know. I feel like with the tour, like I feel like by people buying into that chocolate box, it actually that isolates the people who actually live here as well. Because culture should be for everyone, shouldn't it? It shouldn't be classes. It shouldn't be what you can afford to go see, and like and also to access natural spaces. Obviously, we work in Tahiti, like a lot of people who live in Redrose probably don't even go to Tahiti Woods because they don't think it's for them because it's a, a woodland. Whereas, like, we go come see a show, they walk through, they get immersed in the woods, they come watch the show for free if they can't afford it. And actually, that's really important, I think. There isn't that many things that are accessible that you can just... We've got beaches, obviously, which are amazing if the weather's nice. If you, but they charge for the car parks. Car parks. Yeah, so, yeah. like, if, you can, get to the if you can get to the beach, if you can afford the bus fare to the beach, which you do dance if the buses go to the if beach. If the buses go to the beach, if you can afford to get to the car park, if you can afford the fuel to get to the car park. Like, there's... there, It just feels like, in some ways, the classlessness is, like, isolating local Cornish people who who are poor. 
that's think, basically I think it. it's being made worse by also because there's lots of incomers moving around the coast. Cornish people from the coast are moving inland, so yeah. those of us that live inland are pushed even further out because we mm. because it's obviously more expensive to live on the coast. So here in Madrid, for example, used to be I would say one of the cheaper areas to live, but it it just really isn't anymore. There was no. a what's that one bedroom flat eight fifty a month. Yeah. They put it down to seven seven five, but it was a one bedroom flat. It is a lovely flat, but what do you think then about this? Like, <laughs> like growing up, did you all grow up in Cornwall? I grew up in St Austell, Clay Pride. Um, <laughs> I think there was a badge going around. Yeah, I grew up in St Austell, which was like, my last bus home was six o'clock. Well, I couldn't do anything, like at all. I just lived in Foxhole. Didn't even have a phone signal. How can you text boys if you like haven't got a phone signal? It's honestly awful. <laughs> Most isolating experience ever. I was just thinking about like growing up. I I would have loved like some of the stuff that we've got now mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. really excites me. Um but I'm also feel a sense of responsibility about maybe being part of um this class divide building or this gentrification like do you guys feel any responsibility about that or how do you mitigate against that? I mean it's really difficult, isn't it? I mean I, so I grew up in Belinji, so that is, is is fairly posh actually. Um, but also it is in the middle of nowhere, and all my friends lived in Newquay, so we had to get buses everywhere and that kind of stuff. I've lived in Newquay, I've lived in Truro, and now I I, I live in Redruth, and um, I love Redruth. It's the nicest place I've ever 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 lived. I don't care what anyone else wants to say. The sense of community here is amazing, and I think. You know, I think gentrification is a worry for lots of people in the town. And, you know, I try to get involved in as, as many things as I can, like if the town council has something on or um, the advisory board for the for the ladder, for the old library building, stuff like that. I try to get involved and represent people because I've got like two main communities in, in Redruth. One I kind of share with Luke. We go to Ring Roses, sit in there. And, and I, th- I think you just meet people that you wouldn't generally meet maybe and then the other place I frequent quite frequently is St Rumours Club which is which is a social club and it there's a lot of tradesmen there's a lot of redruth like more redruth than me I've only been here five years that people have grown up here they live here and I think just by like being in the community you are helping to stop gentrification. I, 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 like I just try and listen to people and represent people and help people. There's people with such struggles, not least of which like technology and the fact you can't book a doctor's appointment unless you know how to go on the internet and do these things. And there's lots of people that can't do it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I help out however I can. I'd like to, I would like to buy a house. I can't even really afford one in Madrid. But like, I would like to think that I'm not responsible for any gentrification, really. I would I would like to think that I'm... Although I have moved, obviously, inland, because I was Nuki before mm-hmm. now, so I am one of those people that's moved from the coast inland. Mm-hmm. But I, by embracing the community and trying to help out the community wherever I can, that's how I can do my bit. That's that's how I see it, anyway. Yeah. How do you feel about that stuff, Lee? Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm a sucker for, like, novelty, if that's something crops up like a new sort of cafe or something I'll certainly like um, try it out but um, yeah I don't know I mean I was living in Falmouth and it's kind of like it's just um, there's so many opportunities 
places to go and um, get a coffee. It's Because <laughs> I used to live in Falmouth, but I got priced out, what, 10 years ago. I live in Falmouth at the moment. And uh, it's funny living over there because I've always lived like more north coast facing, mm. like Camborne mm. and Truro, really. It's occasionally Perrinporth and other little villages around on the north coast. Um and um, I've got to say, there's loads going on there. Mm. Like, I love it. Mm-hmm. But I always base my art practice back in Redruth. And it feels like that's more connected to who I mm-hmm. am. I mean, yeah. I've got some family history. Like, the mum's, my mum's side of the family is from Falmouth. But, yeah, I just feel far more connected to the sort of Camborne, Paul Redreef corridor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, moving back here, well, like, I live in Lugan at the moment, um, but being back in Redreef, it did, definitely felt like sort of coming home. But I was really impressed with the sort of, I suppose, like you say in Falmouth, there is a lot going on. There's certainly a sense of community. There's lots of people doing things, but it's kind of certainly, um, I think, more manageable here. You kind of like, like there's different pockets of people doing things there, but here it's kind of, I was really impressed um, with the sort of coherence and, yeah, the, the com- sense of community in the town, which is something that I, I don't know, it's just because of the age that I am and the sort of the, you know, the the years that I've spent sort of getting to know people. But, you know, there's also new new people that I met. And there's, I think um, different people want different things from their sort of town. There's something that seems to me coming up around, like the balance between being contemporary sort of 21st century people who want to go out and do kind of 21st century things you all have some work in the arts Mm -hmm. so you want to have the opportunity to enjoy that stuff but at the same time you don't want to lose community connection to home and the identity of the place is that right is that the I'd say so yeah yeah certainly yeah, I, I don't know. What, I mean, Red is never going to be able to sort of compete. It's not going to be able to bring people in to sort of do their shop. You know, that's gone. The time's gone. The supermarkets are... Is it? Haven't they hired Wayne Hemingway to do a project <coughs> on bringing people to Redruth? All right, yeah. But I think it needs to offer... Redruth. Yeah, well, it, need, it needs to offer something which is, you know, entirely sort of un- unique and offers an experience which is... I mean, I, I, in terms of nightlife, I think the peak sort of time was in the... Um, for me, well, it was when I was going out the most, I suppose, but there, the, in the early noughties, there were sort of more venues. I know the drapery is sort of open sometimes, isn't it? And when it was the green room, there was sort of, that was a space for, like, live music. There. Yeah. And yeah. there was also, well, me and my friends, like, used to um, frequent Gaslights and um, yeah. had started up an open mic down there and did some of his earliest shows down there. Um, it didn't used to open on a Wednesday until he sort of, like... Um, talked to Aaron into opening on a Wednesday and there was also the crowbar existed for a short time and that was somewhere where you could go and see live music as well so it was like I think yeah Red Ruth uh, I've always been a you know a, a staunch sort of advocate for a supporter of it and I think when you're in you're in it's like if you for example the Oxford does an amazing roast on a Sunday but you've got to order it somehow so who and they haven't got a phone number <laughs> so how I don't even understand how that works but it, do you know what I mean? It's just being in the knowledge of... Actually, the Oxford roast is very, very nice. I have had one. I didn't arrange it myself, obviously, because I haven't got to know how to, to, how to do that. But, <laughs> yeah. Do they do a vegan, vegan roast? Well, do you, that's quite... Uh, that whole thing about being vegetarian and vegan and what you eat as well, I think is really connected with 
what people perceive as Cornish identity. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I've been asked before, like, but are you really Cornish? Like, but you're vegan and you work in the arts. And they're like, yeah. uh. <laughs> they look at you like, oh. Yeah, yeah Cornish yeah. people can do that too. <laughs> yeah. Some of the most Cornish people I know are vegetarians and vegans, I think. Like, probably, like. Now, <laughs> Becky, you work up at the Cornish store. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've worked there for about a decade. So in the Cornish store, like, you can buy, as you beautifully modelled on um, Instagram or something yeah. like that, a Ross Poldark cushion. Unfortunately, not anymore. You used to be able to, but it's gone out of fashion since oh. since it came off telly. I was in Poldark. That's, I feel Were you? Like, Were yeah. you? Oh, amazing. I was in the first season of Poldark. I was a cool. supporting artist. Brilliant. I touched Ross Poldark. Did you? Yeah, oh. on the shoulder. <laughs> That's amazing. I danced next to him. I applied for it, but they said I was too busty for the costume. <laughs> no <laughs> they way. They said they're a bit more emaciated back in the day. I was like, all right, fair enough. I'll take that. They wanted Cornish dancers, so that's why oh. we got the. That's why we got the job. Gin and Ginny's wedding. We were dancing. Cool. With, yeah. Just thinking about that pole dart stuff, like, because yeah. part of me <laughs> finds it really funny. Like, mm. I'm just. No, it's I, hilarious. I'm just like, yeah, great. I can laugh at that. But then there's an. There's another point that I I think, oh, there's something a bit, ins- is insidious the right word? Like it's sort mm. of a creeping up of actually repackaging culture and kind of nullifying real, yeah. real Cornish lives. And the fact that during that era, you know, there was some serious like class-based um, we could buy a bit of Cornish, like people would just come and buy a bit of Cornish culture. Like it was very much on when I worked in it, I took it as a complete joke because I love Poldark and I enjoyed the series. And like it was all filmed down here. And I suppose that is in some ways bringing people experiencing a different kind of culture in Cornwall. I don't know. I was a big fan of it, <laughs> like embarrassingly so, like that. I've even got a Ross Poldark mug at work. I like. don't watch it, but I don't know what's Doc Martin like. Which is worse, Doc Martin or Polder? I mean, Doc Martin is set in present day, right? Is it mm-hmm. full of a village full of dozy people? I don't know. I choose not to watch it. Oh, it definitely like, seems me, to have stereotype characters. Yeah. We can say Sense and Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice, period drama. Mm-hmm. Who, who, who really even knows? And that's mm-hmm. where Polder sits for me. Whereas Doc Martin, which is I think it's now finished. I've never watched an episode. I think it's finished. Something one. like that to me is more damaging because it's supposed to be set now and it mm-hmm. paints us as blithering idiots or whatever. I, I don't know, maybe... I, have you watched Doc Martin? Well, I don't, I don't know. I, I have a sense of what it's like without <laughs> having seen it. I think I've seen... I may, may have seen it. I can't say I've, like, watched... actively engaged with it and watched an episode. <laughs> yeah. But it sort of exists in a... I mean, it's set in, like, a real place, right? Port Isaac. Port Isaac. Port Isaac. Mm. But I feel like it's just the nature of those kinds of shows. They don't really feel grounded in like a sense of reality or whatever, and that's kind of not what people are in, watching them for. I don't think it's a sitcom, with Paul, right? But like, well, I don't know if it's a sitcom. I don't know if it's a comedy. It's not. Is it, is it, is it a sitcom? Has anyone gentle, have we not watched sort of it? Light-hearted like, drama, isn't it? I've know. watched a couple. I think the comedy <laughs> element is that he's meant to be quite a bumbling sort of. He's like a posh person. doctor, isn't he? Oh, like, really? Yeah. He's like a posh doctor treating poor... It's like fish corn. out of water kind of yeah, thing. That, he's yeah, like yeah, a it. posh doctor and there's like, yeah, Cornish people. And he's like, yeah. all these kooky, like, Cornish people. <laughs> and there are definitely some Cornish people who fit that sort of stereotype of, like, slow country person. And then, like, because I, I feel that all part of that, on the one hand, 
seems, oh, well, it's harmless. Mm. But I also feel a bit like, which I think you're saying a bit better, Lee. Yeah. Yeah. But what is is Poldark? Is that like, is it historical? So it's based in a series of books by William Graham. When were they written? Mm. 50s? 50s? Because it'd be interesting to see a sort of serious take on like a kind of that period in British history, wouldn't it? And the actual like harsh... Mm. Of it to be fair, like they do of, discuss Because is it like around mining? Are they mine owners or yeah. something yeah, like yeah. that? So that is is there much like sort of like about sort of know, the politics of mining? And... I think there's rape in it. It's all kinds yeah. of stuff in it. Because the Mel's watched the episode I was in. Yeah, the Mel's is from a lugger and she can't read or write and she's really poor and like has an abusive father. I got really into it, but like it is, it does. I would say it represents more of the culture of Cornwall because he lives. Because Poldock's house is five miles from Redry, so it is in a lugan, basically. Um, but it's sort of like, it's like wealthy miners. It's like Dallas, isn't it, basically? Like, yeah. Kind yeah. of the... It, <laughs> do, it does document... <laughs> yeah, it's like the Cornish Dallas. It's just like Dallas. <laughs> it does document um, some of the things like problems with the Corn Laws. Right, and okay. the rise of um, Methodism and it yeah. being oh, right, a workers' okay. religion mm-hmm. and or belief system. But I do think it's quite interesting, this, like, how Cornwall's represented and mm-hmm. what things are most problematic. Like, I yeah. really find programmes like sort of Dawn French's Cornwall and Caroline Quentin's Cornwall and these sorts of things mm-hmm. really problematic. Yeah, mm-hmm. re- they're, they're really problematic. Well, it's, it's like their Cornwall but, or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but there's been a really good, there was a really good one, wasn't there, last year, which was more the real Cornwall. Or so I can't, I can't Is it Sandy Toxic did one? No, I don't I, think I she did. There was a Carl man Hines. called Simon. Yeah, that one. <laughs> BBC Two. Simon Mears, not Simon Mears, no. No. There's a BB2, BBC Two one. That everyone, I didn't watch it either. They all hook up with Anne at some point, don't they? Yeah. Huh? They all have a day at Anne's pasties and stuff. I know that they went to the food bank in Camborne. Oh, right. That was yeah. Rick Stein. That was Rick Stein did one at the food no, bank. Si- the, and Simon also, did as well. Oh, Camborne oh. Food Bank has become the like, place. It's got the Because it had... Was it, it's like it one of the like biggest millions food banks of, in millions the country. Millions of money... After it was on the TV, loads of people donated to it. Mm. So it was that guy Simon's programme. Yeah, not Rick Stein's. I think the Simon guy programme was supposed to be a good one, but I don't know. Better than Carolyn Clinton. Mm. I I found it marginally better. Right. Mm. But I still feel like there's a sort of softness that protects perhaps those who do seek to... Um, either buy second homes or um, move to Cornwall um, or who maybe are very comfortable middle classes mm-hmm. who mm. can afford a different kind of lifestyle than is actually affordable to the majority of people yeah. who live and work in Cornwall. I mean, we well, have quite low incomes here. It's sort of important that they protect a certain image because it's saleable kind of Exactly. What do you think? Everyone feels like that. Like wherever you're from, you know, it's just, just uh, in the UK or whatever. Like these programs, like there's kind of like regional equivalents, like all throughout the UK. Do you think it's just? Oh, totally. People just feel the same. They're I, just. I, I they're think... never going to get to the crux of like what what it is or what, it, what you know how it it feels as an actual person living and existing in there. It's very expensive to live in London. But I just feel the way that that's communicated is more sympathetic yeah. than it is for us. And we're whinging Cornish people, moaning about our country. You know, we don't want incomers. We're this, we're that. And I feel like it's, you know, that I was on Jeremy Vine, actually, because he was doing something about people coming down or something. I think, was there a Grim Reaper? Was it in COVID times when there was a Grim Reaper stood at 
roundabout with a oh, sign yeah. saying go home or, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a couple of incidents during there was, lockdown. There was a, there, they had like banners everywhere. And there was They're a like, banner yeah. over a bridge and there was a guy with the guy dressed as a Grim Reaper just stood in a roundabout twiddling mm-hmm. his stick. And they were basically making out that we 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 were horrible people and we were moaning because we didn't want people coming down and giving us COVID. And I think that's what upsets me more. It's that, that you know, there's empathy for the people of London, but there's no empathy for us. We're just seen as whinging about things and I, and that upsets me. And I, and I don't know where it comes from or why... Because we are seen to be live in an enviable place, because we have lots of nat- like you said when you emailed us the thing, we live in a naturally beautiful place. We live near the beach. We can go to woodlands. Like we are have access to all the countryside, but and London doesn't have that. But I suppose it's just we're seen to be whinging because we we don't want to share. It's like we, we don't guess, we don't want to share. There's we loads don't, of room down there. It's still kind of like simplifying it, though, I suppose, isn't it? Mm. It's about like kind of London, like the shorthand for like London is like. Um, Gritty uh, urbanism or whatever, mm-hmm. isn't it? like, and that's probably like that's not the whole picture there either. Oh, I mean, there's like, theatre, there's there's you know there's loads like, of culture, loads of stuff in London. But like, I mean, like shows about. I mean, you're talking about programs about like London, you know, London and stuff. Oh, like, because mm-hmm. like if we of. think about like EastEnders or something, that's obviously a really simplified story. Mm-hmm. And obviously, none of us live in London, and we're not Londoners, so we don't we don't know about that experience. Um, but it, it feels like perhaps there's something about the presentation of Cornwall, and maybe I think you're right. Like other places around the British Isles, that are beautiful sort of visitor destinations, there's an investment in them being presented as not that gritty, not that sort of working class, or not that much poverty there, um, because. I don't know, maybe it would be off-putting or... I mean, Redrees did get a lot of publicity like a few years ago, didn't it, when it was sort of like highlighted as being one of the most deprived when they had the, places um, in, the, in the UK. And that was like sort of national like news, wasn't it? When they had the ASBO thing, where was it, up up at the top where there was uh, no kids over the, under the age, over the age of 15 were out, allowed out at certain times or something. Yeah, there was oh, there. yeah, was like a, a curfew. Yeah, 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 a curfew. Mm. Up near Murdoch, is it Murdoch Close? Up the top there. Right. Yeah, mm. that was in the national news that this one area of the country, kids were now banned from being outside after seven or something. I can't, can't remember what it was. I mean, Redruth generally gets a bit of a bad press everywhere, but it doesn't really bother me. I think Camborne <laughs> gets the worst press. Yeah, What do you think the Redruth-Camborne rivalry is? Oh, is that alive? Is it real or does I, it exist? Not, we're not the like left-wing anyone... liberal arts people, but like... <laughs> uh, my fellow's a rugby player, and it, I oh, think yeah, it definitely, like, yeah. definitely exists. I suppose. But anyone on the outside, it's always like Red Ruth and Camborne, isn't it? They're mentioned yeah. in the same yeah. sort of, like, breath. Well, definitely the Red River was always seen as a sort mm-hmm. of divide. So, um, like, part of my growing up was in Bray Village, um, just outside Camborne. And um, so that's Camborne postcode. But even within the village, like people would say, yeah, but you live on the Red Reef side. I don't, I, I don't know. Well, it's all this <laughs> money that went to Camborne Pool and Red Reef, so I don't know what that if that's what pulled them together. Because you had CPR regeneration, didn't you? You had a yeah, lot went of, to Heartlands, like, didn't it? Yeah, yeah a lot oh, went to Heartlands. Oh, Heartlands. Oh. <laughs> you, you did the launch, because we did the launch of Heartlands. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, because Ange and Ollie hired you to do it, I think. I remember you performing there. and we Definitely did... performed there a few times, yeah, in yeah. the early days, yeah. And they had like schools, they were sort of like bussing schools up there and stuff. 
Yeah, because we did a big fire. Was in the crowd. We did a fire dance up there to launch Heartlands. Was that the one where it rained? There's one where it rained. Oh, it, no, that was a later, later, later one. I, I don't know. It's yeah. It's like. But um, yeah, I think I don't. Yeah, it's, that's sort of a bit kind of problematic. Not for, it's kind of a bit. Seems a bit of a bit of a waste. Really, well, Heartlands know. or the Cambodian movies. I don't know. Like Heartlands, <laughs> I, 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 was, I was like thinking of um, you know, like the the eco park or whatever. Yeah. And that's kind of like everything that kind of like Heartlands. Could have been, been. yeah, because like, yeah. it's got like artist spaces and sort of studios. It's got cafe. It's Jesus, got like I think that's quite gentrified. It's really it's quite gentrified. Expensive. It's very expensive. Um, like, so I would say an issue like a difference between what's going on at Heartland mm-hmm. and what's happening at the eco park is you can walk to Heartland quite easily. Mm-hmm. Like it's fair. I mean, apart from that, they put all them big roads around there, but. You can walk to Heartlands from a number of like villages and mm-hmm. towns, whereas the eco park is less accessible by mm-hmm. foot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so simply that as well begins to make a choice between like who who's going to be the main audience. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. accessible for the people of Port Town, I suppose. Yeah. 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 But also, we can't really say that Heartlands is teeming with people. Unless <laughs> on fire night, then teeming. busy, isn't it? Yeah. It's a big expanse, big expanse. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, it was intended for use as a site for large-scale events, wasn't it? But yeah, then they had that one big festival the and there was like a single noise complaint and that put oh. paid to it. So they just... Can I ask you then, just thinking about mining... Right, so Heartlands yeah. was called Heartlands because it's at the heart of the mining mm-hmm. industry of certainly t- later 20th century Cornish mining. Um, n- I'm not ignoring Giva. Mm-hmm. I know that was 20th century mining. But um, is mining important, like, to you as individuals for your Cornish identity? Is, well, do you feel any connection to it? I mean, it's like you said, it's sort of... Capitalism, isn't it? It's celebrated because it's something that generated so much money. And then yeah. there's money now to sort of put, um, preserve, you know, the his- history of mining because it was something that made a lot of money. I don't think in terms of, like, a cultural impact, um, like, what what other impact did it have? I mean, people worked in the mines, like, sort of generations of people worked in the mines. And um, I can only imagine that it was, like, hard like you know horrible hard work and i have um huge respect for anyone that like you did work in in those mines but um yeah to me it doesn't really resonate i mean it's obviously like the landscape is like utterly like altered Mm -hmm. in the wake of it and you can see sort of the remnants of it everywhere and that's is like kind of that is the cornish landscape it's like i was talking um, to my girlfriend yesterday about how identifiable the kind of the silhouette of, mm-hmm. of, of an engine house is to a Cornish person. Whereas, like, if you showed that silhouette to anyone else, it'd be like, "What's you know, what is that?" It doesn't have any sort of meaning. But well, how does everyone else feel about like mining? So, Ollie, so I, um, brother-in-law Ollie, Ollie's dad worked at Holman's, like so, and like I live in Tucking Mill, so I've got like you know the old, it's completely abandoned, the old sort of it's like grade two listed, but like it feels. So Ollie used to, Dad used to work at Holman's and like I've, you chat to him about it because he does our car park and stuff um, at Rogue. But he's, yeah, it's like, it's still, I think it's still prevalent amongst people and like it was a good job 
And now those good jobs are gone for that generation. I definitely feel in Camborne, the next generation down, feel a bit lost, if that makes sense, because it wasn't their family did that. And now what it was like, yeah, I don't know if people, there's like a sense of loss, I think, in Camborne, it feels for me. Is it a good job? I mean, like, I don't know. Like, It was a good job. Well, more recently, I'm just thinking, like, historically, how it would have impacted on people's sort of, like, well-being and health and stuff. I think Coleman's was the fuse works. So it's it's basically a factory making dynamite. There's at least four or five men that drink in the club that were miners. Mm. And I don't get a sense of great... I think they love it that they were miners. A regular income is a good good job. And, um, like, regardless of the hardness mm-hmm. yeah if and there's different skills like elect- uh, electricians all that kind of stuff they're not yeah. all just like, down there with their pickaxes black face and the <laughs> sure. um but yeah no i i, I think like what, what, sorry yeah. yeah i just well i i did see a survey about the town which said that people were fed up with um harping on about mining because they feel like it 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 steeps us in the past and and mm-hmm. surely have we not got more to be I mean, all of our houses have got tunnels underneath them, thanks yeah. to the mining. Like, yeah. it's like, yeah. do you know what I mean? There are, there, are, there are good and bad things, but I think people think, right, we're moving on past that now. If we want to remove away from this being in the past kind of like perception, we don't have any mines anymore. Can mm. we not be World Heritage Mine Site or whatever they want to say, yeah. the, the, what, the home of mining and stuff? Can we not be celebrated for what we are now? And I, I think generally there is a, is a, is a feeling for that as well. I think it probably depends on what generation you are, though. Yeah, definitely. It's like they are looking at a particular sort of snapshot, though, aren't they? I don't know how yeah. long that lasted. But, yeah, I was having a conversation, and, and it was like, when you know, when did sort of humanity go wrong in terms of sort of, <laughs> you know, the sustainable nature of it and stuff? And it's like, well, like when you started sort of digging in the earth for stuff, and I was like, yeah. what? And I sort of Googled, like, you know, mining in Cornwall, when did that start? And then it was like, I don't know, like thousands, four thousand years ago or yeah. something. And I was like, yeah. but I suppose it's on a different sort of scale, you know. It's kind of, what is that? People just sort of literally scratching in the earth. I don't know. Like, there's there's, there's medieval. I went to there's a woodland up near the Shire down there. As you go into Praise, just loads and loads of medieval mines, just so, in there. But if that mining is sort of passing and is mm. part of heritage, and there is like modern, mm-hmm. um work going into well, the land there's lithium mining there's the geothermal stuff there's, there's the, clay, the clays the clay yeah the whole clay area is like yeah. still it is i grew up it's there horrible. i know grew but, up there. but if that is if that is shifting as far as sort of a cultural recognition or identity is concerned like what would you would each of you like consider well, as i mean part of your cornish identity like what if, if I was going to think about the mining, if you wanted to celebrate something about the mining, I would say the Dispera is the kind of like yeah. thing that you would look at because like even like Gavin again, he's he had some cousin, his great great cousin went to somewhere in America and there's a Trezona Road in America somewhere mm-hmm. and he wants to go there because and you go to Mexico and they got pasties. In terms of my Cornish heritage, I don't I don't know. I just think. Living, living here, loving here, respecting where you live, and looking after your community—that's, that's my. Like, I don't think there's a, a thing where I go, oh, I haven't having a pasty for tea, and I, I'm doing this thing today or doing that thing today. I just think, I just love Cornwall, and it, I, I feel like it's in me, and that's what my Cornish identity is. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank you. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it depends what's important to you personally, I suppose. Yeah, I'm not sort of disregarding the fact that, like, mining has been important to people and it still yeah. resonates with them. I was born in, in Cornwall. as the first member of my family to be born in Cornwall. I didn't grow up in a Cornish family, but I've lived in Cornwall all my life and I've never left. And, um, I mean, I don't feel the need to, to leave. Uh, it has, and I feel like it does, it, it feeds feeds me sort of like spiritually and creatively mm -hmm. and um yeah i feel wholeheartedly sort of yeah i mean just there is something about i don't know if it's just sort of having grown up somewhere i don't know if i would have found found it you know the same if i'd sort of but i, I don't know i mean i've been to other places and enjoy them but i always find yeah something about cornwall and sort of like yeah i mean read the red roof area in particular like i'd I probably say my favorite place um, <laughs> is um like cambrai mm -hmm. going up there and um i don't know something it has like a sort of yeah like a kind of, sort of cosmic vibration for me, yeah. we call it the phallus of Cornwall. <laughs> I mean, like that. The, yeah, the monument. That's just yeah. like a, you know, it's like a rich. What is that? It's a rich person's. Folly, oh yeah, isn't it? a rich industrialist yeah. like folly or whatever. But it kind of like I don't know what it. Like past that, I don't really see it as that. I just see it as like a kind of marker for my from for my own mm -hmm. sort of <laughs> purpose to like sort of say like oh that's you know there's Cambrai that's yeah. I don't really, I don't sort of think about what it actually, you know, who put it there and for what purpose. But, but it's weird because it does sort of it jars when you go up there and there's the rocks that you know have been just been there since forever. But it sort of sits amongst those and. Yeah, it is a funny tension between the the <laughs> granite yeah. stacks and the Bassett Monument, yeah. which is yeah so of its time. Yeah, yeah. and also you've got the big folly up there, haven't you as well? Yeah. yeah, the big yeah, like the hunting folly, which does do great food in there. Yeah, up there, just nice to go up there to Cambrai Castle. But yeah, yeah, Cambrai is like it does feel like it's owned by both Campbell and Red Ruth, so it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's yeah. one or the other. Totally. There's um, and do you feel that connection, that land yeah. thing we're talking? Yeah, about? definitely. As soon as you, I've kind of, I love going away from Cornwall and going traveling, but as soon as you come home, it, you I sit on the beach at Gudrevi, and I'm like, oh, it's like an inner peace which you don't get. From else, and like I work outside quite a lot, and it's like to Hiddy Woods feels like another home, to be honest. Mm -hmm. and a lot of the time, I actually do have it within me, like underneath my fingernails, like the dirt from the floor, scuffs on my knees, or like the like I just I feel like I'm really part of to Hiddy Woods a lot of the time. But like, yeah, I definitely feel like the f being physically here in Cornwall is like it's, it's home, isn't it? It's home, it's where you grew up, it's where you work, it's yeah, it feels somewhere special even though but not in the chocolate box way mm -hmm. do you know what I mean like it's a special which you only get if you grew up here and live here mm -hmm. like I think that's the kind of special it feels and some people I mean I've spoken to people who say they've cut they really found it they belong here and mm -hmm. they didn't grow up here mm -hmm. um they have no connection but they came here and they then feel yeah I think it's totally valid you can gravitate to a place and yeah. feel like you know you found your kind of people and there's kind of like an unspoken kind of rapport that you might have. I do think it's the people and the place. I've got to be honest with you and I think yeah, that's why yeah. I love Redruth yeah. because I've always lived in Cornwall. I wouldn't, was never, I did, I lived in Bristol for a few years um, and then I came back. Um, but I, and I've lived in lots of places in Cornwall, obviously Newquay's 
quite touristy. Truro is just a bit dull. Um, <laughs> it's a void. It's a cultural void. It's a cultural void. It's tumbleweed at five 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 oh five. Um, and then Perrinporth is touristy as well. So mm. it wasn't until I came here that I I would have I didn't want to leave Cornwall. I never did. But mm. here I just get a real sense of like community and spirit and kind of like a lot of different people that are very very different, but there's still just such a community. So yeah, I think people is very important. I feel like we've got a community like with the rogue and stuff with the audiences, like because we've been doing it for twelve years. Like <clears throat> there, there's a community. Like we've seen kids. People think Old Man Winter is their father Christmas because they've seen them since. They were born, or people have wished in Old Man Winter's tent for a baby, and then next year they bring the baby to see Old Man. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a definite sense. So of you're community. creating those new folklore, those new folklore and that new traditions, and um, and also like you go out and see people, and they think you're you're they're your mate because like, and that's we love that because we're we're not in a fourth wall. We don't speak to audiences. We're part of the audience, and we experience that, and we breathe together for stories and emotions, and it's definitely feels like a sense of community because I don't live in Red Roof and I don't get that. Maybe that sense of like, like traditional community base, but I definitely feel like we've got a rogue family which extends out beyond the performers to the people who come to our shows for years, who you see out and about, and they can feel like they can chat to you and talk and have a shared, a shared experience of being in the woods at night watching theatre. Um, it feels like you're all sort of part of creating those new folklores, mm. actually, yeah. in the things that you do. I think um, we'd. I'm just really aware of time, but we did touch on the diaspora mm -hmm. and um, I wanted to ask if anyone else felt like, um, what do you, like about the tension of our heritage mm -hmm. that is quite, does veer into a chocolate boxy, heroic miner mm -hmm. sort of thing. But um, Cornish miners are there from the diaspora and you go to places like I've visited towns in Australia that were mining towns that really like the land feels like it has absolutely been like wrung out. <laughs> There's nothing left in there. Mm -hmm. The town is seen, people even call them dead towns. And I'm really aware that the indigenous people of those pieces of land mm -hmm. were like shipped off and like treated abominably mm. and still are in many cases um and i yeah i feel i feel a sense of responsibility about acknowledging that mm -hmm. whilst so not only celebrating the diaspora mm -hmm. but but also sort of i don't know does anyone else have some anything to sort of say around that i, I obviously work in the cornish store so we send a lot of stuff out to the diasporas a lot of the Cornish tart and they come into the shop and they want to buy into the chocolate box mine. They're like, we're going to go to Red Ruth later. I'm like, you want to prepare them for the fact that it's not going to be the Red Ruth of Poldark. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. sort of like, like they're like, oh, it's not how we imagined it. But um, and I know my sister and brother-in-law have been out to Bodie in America, which is a complete ghost town now, but all the gravestones, all the Trebilcocks and the Trigunners and like all that. But definitely, you even watching historical period dramas about that, they were ravaged. The indigenous people were ravaged and t thrown out because of the gold mining. So it's, oh, it's hard, isn't it? Because you can't... I don't think you can gloss over it. And you can't gloss I, I over just, it, can I you? I think you can 
try and look at things as holistically as, as possible. Yeah. We, do you know what I mean? We've just had the Commonwealth Games. I'm surprised they still exist. It, oh it kind of yeah. shocks me a little bit that we've got all this stuff about empire and about people wanting to leave the Commonwealth and the Queen. And then we have something called the Commonwealth Games. <laughs> and it's a little bit odd to me as to... I, I, I don't really understand that. Like, I don't have a problem with the Commonwealth... I've actually went to the Commonwealth Games in 2014 or something in Glasgow. But, like, uh, it seems like... We we don't want to be the wrong things. We don't want to do the wrong things. We want to apologise. We want to do things right. We want to acknowledge what we've done or what's been mm. done on our behalf. But it doesn't seem a very um, way to do that. Understand? We, we you know we look at things holistically. The Commonwealth and Empire are problems. So how can we have the Commonwealth Games? I don't. I, to me, it doesn't make much sense. I think honesty, integrity, authenticity. We're not just going to go, oh, look, Mexicans have got pasties, thanks to us. There needs to be more to it than that. Mm. But how how that happens or, or or how we even understand the real impact now, you know, 200, 300, how do we even, how can we even mm. weigh that, really? Mm. We can acknowledge that it wasn't great, but I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't think we should pretend everything's, ro- you know, look through the roast into spectacles, but also I don't think you will ever know. We'll never know half these things we, mm-hmm. because we just can't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, as long as we're honest and, you know, not, like really cheesy about it and like, Cornwall's great, we did all these great things. I, I don't think there's a problem with it, but that's me personally, though. Luke, do you have anything to add about that? Um, mm, I don't know. I, I feel like um, I'm not really like well informed enough mm-hmm. about um exactly what was sort of um might have been perpetrated by visiting people but i can i mean just you know it's, it is hugely that just the the whole the nature of mining is hugely invasive isn't it and we can see just in the, in the cornish landscape you know mm. that what what's what's done to it so i can only imagine you know um elsewhere i think the movement of people is like certainly not a well you know if it's if their their choice you know people going to work elsewhere and like um you know you go you go somewhere and there are sort of like cornish people um everywhere no so it's, 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 it's something cheesy it's like wherever you find a hole in the ground you find a cornish man at the bottom of it yeah. I, and i find all, i've it's like it's, it's frustrating but also there was also with like the movement of it over like did you ever see beck appleby show oh mary yeah it's good yeah it's amazing wasn't it but that's about how there's a whole that's a whole different idea of a not a diaspora but that's cornish people being shipped over for mm-hmm. being basically poor and not being able to afford to live here uh, yeah and you've got to remember redrief went from being the richest town in the whole of the country to having apparently just lines of prostitutes by the train station. Nobody was here anymore. There was no money. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying moving Indigenous people so you can survive is the right thing to do, but it, I don't think it was a, like, we're going to make loads of money. I think some people had to do it just to survive, yeah. to send money back to their families. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's a really tricky. Someone's always making some money, mm-hmm. but it... it it's not necessarily. It's probably one of the Being people that owns half of the, the town, uh, isn't it? It's yeah. rarely yeah. the people on the ground. Exactly. No. Exactly. <laughs> what well, I mean, what did it come from? Like, it, you know, it was you know, yeah, really rich. But what, what was it before? Before the mining sort of boom, what would well, it have been it was like? Just, just average, I guess. It was fishing fun. and farming. Fishing and farming, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, obviously, a lot of the the, the way Redruth looks now, and the sort of the you know the residences and the businesses and stuff, are because of that. 
Yeah, well, you and can you can even well. see the difference, can't you? Because you've got Falmouth Road with all the miners' cottages, and then yeah. you've got Clinton Road where all mm-hmm. the posh people lived, and mm. Albany yeah. Road. Same so. as Tucker. So you've got Tucker Mill. That's all Cornish miners, like where Angie and I live, and I also live. It's like a two hundred year old mining cottage, but then you go up the top of the road, and it's literally beautiful houses all the way into Camborne. So oh, those houses that, that go around yeah. by the cricket club and that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. I just, mean, would, uh, would there have been a, enough? Cornish people to populate those those mines, or would there have been a massive influx of people anyway from elsewhere I think in the I, UK to sort of? I don't know. To be honest, I don't of... think so. I think it was mainly from. I think but, they had the expertise, didn't they? They knew yeah. what they were doing. They had the. And I think like Bruce Willis going to Armageddon <laughs> on the, the meteor. That's what they were doing. <laughs> they were the expert drillers. Yeah, they knew it. Or was it um, Ben Affleck questioned the sort of the thinking behind that? And said, w- wouldn't it have been easier to train astronauts to? Well, he doesn't know anything drill. about adrenaline, does he? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Bruce Willis. Anyway, thank you all very much for being so generous and open. I really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, I'll uh, speak to you again soon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Mraz, Agas Gosloas, thank you for listening. Further episodes of the Mescla Bruyon Druis podcast can be found on my website, sovayberryman.co.uk. That's S O V A Y B E R R I M A N. .co.uk, where you'll also find guest biographies and a resource page of links to further reading on the topics discussed. If you feel inspired to join the Mescla conversation about contemporary Cornish cultural identity, please get in touch with me, Sove Berryman, via my website or social media. You'll find Mescla Bruyon Druis on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. The Mescla Bruyon Druis podcast and project has been made possible due to a wealth of in-kind help and support from many parties, including the Wenda Perrin Festival, Gorseth Kernow, Cornwall Council's Cornish Language Office, Coethysan Yeath Canuick, Crescent Kernow, Cornwall Neighbourhoods for Change and Falmouth University Falmouth Campus. The project has been supported using public funding by the National Lottery through Arts Council England and further funding has been gratefully received from Historic England by Redreath Unlimited. Agas Terman, Agas Gwellas. Thank you for your time. See you later.